Hello, and welcome to another episode of Special Advising, the podcast, No Parent Left Behind, the show that speaks to parents and caregivers on topics related to the world of exceptional needs and related educational services. If you crave knowledge and support in a low-stress environment, then you've come to the right place. I'm Mark, and I have 34 years of experience teaching kids and coaching parents, and I'm your host. Thank you so much for joining me. I hope this podcast can inspire you to face your days more confidently, stirring a greater sense of self-love, mindfulness, and outpouring of goodness, and positive role modeling for your children. Always keep you and your mental, physical, and if you're inclined, spiritual health in mind. Health in these areas will allow you to be all you hope to be for them. Today I'll be speaking about alternative and augmentative communication, the types, their advantages to disabled people who are nonverbal, and the importance of incorporating them into daily life consistently. Afterwards, stay tuned for a tip of the cap, offering today's parenting tip and my good news community share, where you'll hear some positive news happening in the world of exceptional needs and related education. So find your voice, however you communicate it, and let's express our way to another win. Hey everyone, welcome to today's show. I hope you're all being uh, safe out there and keeping cool if you're in those hot spaces like I am. Uh, one of these days this uh, heat wave is going to break and we're going to cool off a little bit. So just drink your water, stay indoors, and take care of yourselves. According to Accessibility.com, Augmentative and Alternative Communication, or AAC, is any form of communication that supplements or replaces oral speech. The use of AAC might include clinical intervention, high-tech devices, or simple facial expressions. There are no or low-tech forms of AAC and high-tech. When I was introduced to AAC, I recall the high technology at the time to be very clunky, awkward, and heavy. The first one I learned about and worked with was the Dynavox. The first AAC product that utilized touch screens with dynamic displays and with integrated word and grammar prediction. Again, from Accessibility.com, the Rehabilitation Act of 1973 and the Education for All Handicapped Children Act of 1975 helped to advance the research and development of AAC devices. AAC became an area of professional specialization, and the American Speech Language Hearing Association recognized it as an area of practice. I taught a young girl with cerebral palsy, and she had to have this large machine attached to a rotating bar enabling it to both set up in front of her and move away to allow her to exit the chair. She loved the machine and it opened her world up. She was always so joyful and full of life and wanted in on whatever was happening around her and the AAC allowed her to do this and to be heard. Over time it gave her autonomy and helped increase her confidence. She had an amazing uh, sense of humor and she conveyed that through her exuberant laugh. Uh, Her eyes would just light up. I believe she grew to function closer to her potential each day from using the Dynavox. It was a part of her life both in school and at home. Her mom saw to that. Since that time, so much has changed in the area of high-tech AAC that life for nonverbal individuals is light years ahead of those prior to the 80s and on back. There's been some form of high-tech AAC since 1960, but today's devices have advanced access to the world for all in need to an astounding degree. Since the unveiling of the iPod in 2010, AAC has become more widely accessible. 
While individuals can use the Notes or Messages app to communicate, they can also choose from a multitude of AAC apps from the App Store. From communicationcommunity.com, individuals who have complex communication disorders may benefit from high-tech AAC devices. This may include, but is not limited to, individuals with autism, Down syndrome, cerebral palsy, a neurodegenerative disorder, aphasia, or a brain injury. There are dedicated high-tech AAC devices. The following list found on mouseforall.com uh, has some of the top brands uh, that are available. Some examples are uh, Toby Dynavox, Logan Prox Talker Modular AAC Device Package, HipTalk Plus Communicator, Mega B Assisted Communication and Writing Tablet, Pocket Go Talk 5 Level Communication Device, Enabling Devices Tactile Symbol Communicator, GoTalk 9 Plus, Big Talk Assistive Technology Communicator, and GoTalk Express 32 Advanced Communication Aid. The best of them, like Proloquo to Go and Touch Chat, provide complete symbol vocabularies to cover all parts of speech. Some of the other applications are just collections of images. Non-dedicated devices are those mainstream electronic devices such as a smartphone, an iPad, or a laptop to which AAC software or applications have been added. I'll provide links relating to the different machines on the resource page of my website for you to check out. I had a front row seat to see the technological progress and the changes in students' access to communication, allowing them to expand their expressive skills and autonomy. And while this has happened, the low-tech AAC continues to be a significant alternative for many reasons. It can be fast and efficient, a nice introduction to an AAC. They are portable, relatively physically easy to use, simple and easy to set up, inexpensive, can go in the water. Uh, if you laminate, if they're a paper, you can laminate the paper and they can go in water, charts, boards. In an emergency or for temporary communication, they're great. They can be used while learning to use a high-tech device. If someone's too tired pointing at a picture or icon, this is a great solution. And it's always great to have as a backup for a device. Low-tech options from communicationcommunity.com again. Consisting of pictures, symbols, paper-based, non-electronic communication boards, PECS, which is Picture Exchange Communication System, pen and paper, alphabet boards, or a core words board provides more ways for an individual to communicate than no tech, such as gestures, pointing, and head nods. In the world of speech-language pathology, individuals with autism, Down syndrome, intellectual disabilities, and or developmental disabilities may benefit from low-tech AAC. Additionally, individuals who have brain injuries, aphasia, or progressive degenerative conditions may also use a low-tech AAC device. Some of the disadvantages of low-tech AAC, according to Janine Stein of the Long Island Suffolk Center for Speech, are vocabulary is limited to the display in front of the user, communicating complex ideas is difficult, there is heavy reliance on communication partners due to a lack of voice or print output, and due to the lack of symbols or vocabulary, a low-tech system could lead to an underestimation of the AAC user's abilities. According to another source, liberator.net.au, some of the benefits they say are that low-tech AAC are affordable, relatively easy to create, and use if clinical or technical support isn't on hand. They don't require any power charging. 
and they can be used in demanding environments like full sunlight, bath time, if you're at the beach, and if high-tech devices fail. Some of the disadvantages they list are that there's no auditory feedback for the user, positions of words change in picture exchange systems, removing motor pattern learning, navigation through levels-based systems or reliance on overlays can be challenging, and they are restrictive, situational, predetermined vocabulary. Ms. Stein lists the advantages of the high-tech AAC as they provide limitless options of vocabulary, most have word prediction features at the phrase-sentence level, auditory and visual feedback are provided to the user, it allows communication to occur at a distance, allows the user to send messages without first obtaining the partner's attention through another mode, and additional options are available, uh, email, internet, phone, environmental controls. She lists the disadvantages as most of these devices can cost thousands of dollars because they come with specialized software. Technology breaks down and gets outdated, which is why it's always necessary to have a backup low-tech device. And there's a lack of portability in some cases. Liberator.net.au lists high-tech pros and cons as well. The benefits as they see it are that the high-tech devices have uh, the availability of more vocabulary. Um, they can communicate to all groups in the community. They can develop automaticity and motor patterns. They're fully customizable. There are different options to represent language. Um, there's computer access, connectivity, environmental control, and phone access. The negatives, as they see it, also are that they can be heavier, they must be charged, and they're definitely more expensive. From avazap.com, studies suggest that learners using multiple modes of communication had fewer communication breakdowns. I'll include a study on my resource page for you to read. They were also able to communicate better with their partners. Moreover, learners showed substantial improvements in their language abilities with multimodal communication. Examples of different modes of communication are sign language, gestures, low-tech boards, texting, high-tech AAC, light-tech devices, facial expressions, writing, body language, and speech and vocalizations. There's a lot to explore and consider when choosing AAC devices. And it's wise to work closely with your child's speech teacher or school speech department to fully understand the options for your child as each individual person's needs vary. You wanna understand who your child is, their strengths and their limitations, and research on your own to educate yourself on what's available and confer with your educational service professionals in order to make the best choice for your situation. Many parents don't do this, or they don't know to do this, and they end up with something that they don't either understand or they lack the knowledge to challenge if a device or a low-tech option is appropriate for maximum results. A finding in one study entitled Multimodal Communication in School-Aged Children with Autism Spectrum Disorders by Lauren Doherty of the University of Akron stated that the difference between the students in this particular study she refers to was the type of AAC device or system that they primarily use. This was due to their different levels of cognitive functioning, motor abilities, and language abilities. It's important to know what AAC serves the specific needs and capabilities of your child. One of the critical issues for anyone involved in the appropriation and oversight of high-tech devices is training. When I was teaching, that was a big problem. It tended to be the responsibility of the speech teacher to set up and continually load new information into the student's devices, and therefore 
I was quite ignorant of how to do this for a lack of training. And this is a problem for many teachers and paraprofessionals who are with the child the majority of their school days. When there's new vocabulary or new concepts are being learned, they are reliant on the speech teacher having the time to upload all requests. If a teacher doesn't make an effort to sit with a speech teacher or to be trained, it often doesn't happen. So training is critical so that all key players in the child's life know how the equipment works. And that obviously includes parents. According to USS AAC, the voice of AAC, compared to all staff members, a teacher is one of the most significant communication partners since they are in frequent contact with students. A teacher must support and facilitate the communication in the classroom for the student's academic success and participation. Research has shown that when instructors are provided with AAC training, it has led to positive AAC outcomes. As for the parents, training is a must. Not only training on the machine itself, but training on how to incorporate it into the home and family life. I found this side of the equation to be a problem and, cha and a challenge for families. It might be that they have trouble uh, coordinating the device with their routines. It might be that they're not able to be effective in getting their child to use a device so that it might lead to some frustration over care and repair when the device fails. Again, from the voice of AAC, parents have expressed the desire to be trained more extensively in the areas of time management, maintenance, and integration of their child's AAC device into their home and the community. It's vital that all family members are well-educated in the technological functions of the selected AAC device to support successful outcomes. Unfortunately, I've also seen the underuse of this technology many times with several families. The device gets home from school only to be plugged in and not used again until the following day. As with everything special education related, the connection between school and home is victorious only when there's a solid connection and consistent follow through with agreed upon goals and use of materials. In this case, using a device for maybe six hours, five days a week is not going to produce true success. If a child isn't accessing their mode of communication at home, it can lead to stress, frustration, and fallout from there. And that's on everybody's side. So how does funding work for an AEC? The following information comes courtesy of TACANOW.org, the Autism Community in Action. iPads aren't cheap. Even the least expensive iPad is unaffordable for families who already have enormous out-of-the-pocket medical expenses. Fortunately, iPads are a viable alternative and augmentative communication modality. So there are several ways to obtain funding for them. Those options include the public school system, your state's Office of Vocational Rehabilitation, every state has a federally funded office, private insurance, Medicaid, and grants and scholarships. I'll attach this link to my resource page where you'll discover it goes in depth on the specific options just mentioned, instructs you how to go about the process, and even has sample letters of request. This link provides excellent advice, and one important piece is the subject of my tip of the cap parenting tip following this content section, so stay tuned. I have implored parents to encourage and expect their child to use AAC at home as they do in school, for requests, for expression, etc. If the child shows competence at school, then they're really being cheated if they're not being prompted to continue that at home. I can't impress this upon you enough. Be in tune with your child's communication needs and follow through to give them what they deserve. Keep calm and carry on when pursuing the right equipment. 
Work with the professionals immediately involved with your child to ascertain the best option for them. It's time now for a tip of the cap, your exceptional needs parenting tip. Today's tip comes from Takanow.org, T-A-C-A-N-O-W.org, the autism community in action. When an AAC is approved for your child, have it added to the IEP. Rewrite all of your applicable IEP goals to include the phrase with verbal output so that they are using the iPad in class and everywhere your child goes with school staff. And make sure you specify in the IEP that your child needs the device 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. Doing so will ensure that they can take it home and keep it with them. After all, your child should be able to communicate all of the time, not just in certain circumstances. Today's Good News Community Share comes from Accessibility.com in a 2020 blog entitled Past, Present, and Future of Augmentative and Alternative Communication by Alyssa McKenzie. In the section entitled Future of AAC, she says, There have been significant advancements in AAC over the years, with the advent of apps and speech-generating aids dovetailing with disability advocacy efforts. What is even more encouraging is that technology continues to progress. Researchers at the Media Lab at MIT are currently working on a groundbreaking project called Official Kamala, which will assist people who are nonverbal or minimally verbal and communicate certain emotions and desires through vocalizations that do not have typical verbal content. The mission of the project is to develop a device that will interpret the vocalizations of non or minimally verbal people allowing them to communicate with people who are not familiar with their atypical verbal content. With such intelligent technology being developed, it seems the future of AAC is limited only by our collective imaginations. I want to thank you again for listening to this episode, and I hope you'll join me each week to hear about topics close to your heart and welcome fresh and informative insights into areas that are new to you. It's an honor to have you tune in and a pleasure to share with you. All music heard on today's show comes from Jason Shaw at audionautics.com. Remember to follow me on Instagram at Special Ed Rising, Facebook at Special Ed Rising, and on my website, specialedrising.com. If you like what you're hearing, please hit the subscribe button and or leave a review at the bottom of the podcast feed and tell your friends. You can contact me directly with questions, comments, or if you're interested in parent coaching through my email, specialadvising at gmail.com or my contact pages on Facebook or my website. I would love for you to share some of your stories, which I can add to the community share page of my website. With your permission, I'd love to share your submission with the audience. Also, let me know if there's anything you'd like to learn more about And until next time, peace and keep rising.